You are listening to the Murray Hills Church Podcast. To learn more about Murray Hills Church, including our gathering times and how to connect with us, visit us online at murrayhills.com. All right, so I need to correct one thing he said, and it's not about me caring. Uh, I don't care if you update Church Center right now. But the giving, don't put those on the table anymore. We've put uh, collection boxes on the wall. There's, there's three of them in the room now. We're going to add some at these doors too. But uh, it's a much more secure and confidential way to give. But the other reason we did that is because when, when this pandemic first started, we, we put the giving and the communion and all that out on these tables, and we had two buckets on the table. And one bucket was for trash, and one bucket was for the offering. But... We were finding checks in the trash bucket, and so that was not a good thing. We figured out a better solution, so we, we put the collection boxes up since Tim filmed that video, so you can use those. You can also put your prayer request and the Connect cards in there as well. The other thing that uh, you may, if you follow us on social media, you may get a little confused about what we're actually talking about today because we've been promoting two different series on social media, and the one that's gotten the most attention has been this one, Love and Justice. That series doesn't start today. The reason it's got the most attention is that's like our big winter series. Every year we try to do one series in the winter where we get the whole church behind it. Like we want the whole church focused on one theme. We want our small groups talking about it. Uh, Ebony's going to be offering an additional class that will go along with this. So I mean like we, we just want the whole church talking about one specific thing and diving deep into one study. And that's going to be this one. It's Love and Justice, but it won't start until February 14th. So it kicks off on Valentine's Day. And I'll explain a whole lot more about what that series is about as we get just a little bit closer. Today, we're starting a series on money. And so now you know why we hadn't been promoting this one very much. So we're starting a series called Past Due, Regaining Control of Your Finances. And this is one of those series that uh, I'll just go ahead and warn you on the front end, it's, <clears throat> it's going to hurt. So today's message is going to hurt. I'm going to say stuff. I've already cost somebody a new camper today. So they told me like they were in the first service. And it's like, thanks a lot. She, you know, I, I just got her to the point where she was going to buy the camper. And then she turned to me halfway through the sermon and said, we're not getting the camper. So um, this is a painful message today. Because we're talking about money. Specifically today, we're talking about debt. And uh, you'll, see, you'll see as we dig into it just a little bit. Now, why now? is the question, though. Why, why not start this series the very first Sunday of the year? Because that's when, you know, like by now, the New Year's resolutions are long since gone. Like we've forgotten all, we don't even remember what we set for New Year's resolutions. Like you should do this the first Sunday in January because New Year's resolutions are fresh, we got our goals, we know what we're going to do, you know, we're ready to go. And so why wait until late January to start this series? Well, I was trying to time it when with when our credit card statements and come out in January because because Christmas comes due in January right that's when we got I don't know how yours is but most of the time my January credit card statement is bigger than it is any other time of the year because I'm having to pay for what happened last month and part of it's Christmas and yeah we bought more stuff than we needed to and probably bought more presents than we needed to but then we also probably gave a little bit more than maybe we were planning cuz everybody hits you up at Christmas right everywhere you go they're asking for money and so ah it's Christmas and you get a to be a little generous and maybe you did some little extra for your in giving that you didn't plan on doing and then all the families at home so you're going to have to eat more and 
there's more parties and celebrations and maybe you take a trip. I mean, in, in December, we don't have any trouble spending because we're thinking, like, we, I don't have to pay for this till next year. We'll just we'll put it on the card, and I don't, I don't even have to worry about this till January 12th, which is when mine is due. I don't even have to worry about it till January 12th. Well, that's the perfect time right now, mid to late January, to talk about finances. How do we get this back under control? How do we get out of debt? How do we... Uh, live on a budget? How do we spend less than we make? How do we save more? How do we, how do we give more? I, I talk to a lot of folks who are like, I wish I could give more, not just to the church, but just to other causes. There's so many great causes out there. I wish I could give more, but I can't. And a lot of that has to do with the topic we're talking about today. I can't because I'm in so much debt. I'm making all these debt payments, and that's getting in the way of my giving. So that's what we're going to talk about for the next three weeks. And it's not a practical series. It's going to be a spiritual series. What I mean by that is this is not like we're not going to talk like three ways to get out of debt today. And, and you know, next week is, you know, five ways to create a budget. or it's, it's not one of those series. Like we're not going to talk about how to save for college or how to save for retirement or, you know, how to refinance your home and all that. Like there's a bunch of good practical advice out there. Envelope systems and debt snowballs and, and all of this stuff. Uh, read Dave Ramsey for that. Uh, read Crown Financial or Rachel Cruz or whoever it is that you go to for practical financial advice. This series is not about practical financial advice. This series is about spiritual financial advice. And the reason we're doing that is because most of the time, we don't need the practical. I understand there's, a, there's some part we do, but like if I'm going to say, hey, you need to get out of debt, and I'm going to show you a plan today how to get out of debt... Most of us know how to get out of debt. You make your payments, and uh, you're, you're disciplined about it, and you don't get extra debt. And once you get one debt paid off, you start putting those payments on. Like, we, we understand a plan. Like, we understand what it means to get out of debt. We understand what it means to live on a budget. We know what we need to do. We just lack the motivation and the desire to do it. And that's where the spiritual comes in. Because the spiritual, that's the foundation underneath the practical. And there's plenty of great financial advisors out there and books. And I'll even give you an option at the end of this message for a practical thing that you can do to help you in this journey. But for the message, I want to focus on the spiritual side of things. Because um, the Bible has a lot to say about money. And it does not say, like if we get into this debt stuff today, the Bible does not give us a step-by-step -step plan to get out of debt. It's not written like that. It doesn't give us a step-by-step -step plan for living on a budget or a step-by-step -step plan for, for saving more money. The Bible addresses the spiritual side of money. Like what is our attitudes towards it? What is our approach to it? Jesus talks about that. Paul talks about that. Solomon talks about it. It's all throughout the Bible. Jesus talked about money just about as much as he talked about anything. Because it's an important part of our lives and it has an important impact on our faith. And so that's where we're going to focus uh, in this. We're going to be in Luke 12 actually today if you want to find uh, the passage that we're going to start with. Luke 12 and 1 Timothy 6 is, is where we're going to be once we get to the text. But first I want to talk just a little bit about debt. Because today was supposed to be about get out of debt. And so I went and googled uh, average American debt, average American household debt. And I started seeing all these reports, and there's a ton of reports out there right now because the pandemic hit in 2020, and everybody's wondering, like, how is that affecting debt? Is that causing debt to go up? Is it causing it to go down? You know, what is the impact that it's having on our economy? And, it's, and you know, some people say, well, it's causing it to go down because everybody went home, and, you know, we, we got to get our finance in order. Like, we redid our budget once in March and April. You know, like, everybody's, we got to get strict on this again. 
Um, and some people, it's going up because you lost income or you lost a job and, you know, you're struggling to make ends meet. And so the, so the debt's going up. I want to show you two charts that just kind of illustrate this. The first one is chart number one. Throw that one up there. This is uh, total household debt in the United States. And uh, you can see that in quarter one of 2020, it hit $14.3 trillion. That's a T. Okay, that's, I, I, I don't even I have a hard time getting my mind around those numbers. But $14.3 trillion, and that's a record. That's the highest household debt has ever been in the United States. The last time we made a record there was 2008. And you can kind of see what happened in the chart because there was a little event in 2008 that was a wake-up call. Right? We had a, the housing crisis of, of 2008, the financial crisis. That was a wake-up call, and Americans like, we, gotta, we, we can't keep living at this level. You know, we gotta, we got to get our house debt in order. we got to get our credit card debt in order. And so there was a dip in all levels of debt. But then as soon as the economy picked back up, and you see around 2013, it started climbing again. And right before the pandemic, it hit a new record level. And you can see the blue is the mortgage debt. And, but you can see how the student loan debt started growing and uh, the auto loan debt started growing, started being a bigger part of that $14.3 trillion. Then the second chart shows you how that breaks down per family. So this is the average amount of debt per family. So the average American family has about $17,000 in credit card debt, around $29,000 in auto loans, around $50,000 in student loans, and about $182,000 in uh, mortgage debt or house payment now uh you may be above average when you look at these numbers you you know you kind of have an idea in your head you know you may be above average in this case of being above average is not good <laughs> you may be below average and feeling really good about it like hey you know we're doing pretty good we don't we i don't have near that much student loan debt um regardless of where you're at and regardless of how you feel about debt this is not i'm not going to get into discussion of good debt versus bad debt because that you know there, people say well there's good debt because you you have debt on assets that appreciate like a mortgage that's good debt and that's acceptable debt and then there's bad debt like credit card debt that you're paying 24 percent interest on and that, like that you know and, and or an asset that depreciates because as soon as you drive that new car off the lot the, the value of it drops like a rock. So, you know, you don't really borrow money on that because you're upside down in it as soon as you drive it off a lot. So um, we're not going to get into that debate. And where do student loans fall? And, you know, is, is student loan, is that an asset that appreciates or depreciates? I mean, good debt, bad debt, and anything. Here's what I want you to do with this chart. I want you to look at this chart. Think about where you're at in this. But imagine what it would be like if you wiped all of it off the board. Like, imagine what it would be like if you had zero debt payments in your life. And this is, it, it, this is so countercultural in America, like, we can't even get our minds around it. We're, because we, we've got so much debt that we can't even think about what it would be like to not have any debt. But, but imagine if you didn't have any credit card payments. You just wiped those off. And you didn't have to make any payments to MasterCard or Visa or look on there and see how much interest they're charging you or how much they charge you in late fees and that kind of stuff. Or imagine if you wiped off the auto loan debt. You didn't have to make any payments. Ford credit wasn't on your list. You know, you just didn't. I mean, can you imagine what it would be like 
if we did that, and I know the mortgage is a big one, and a lot of people are like, oh, you know, I've got a 30-year mortgage, it's going to take me forever to pay that thing off. I don't know I'm ever going to be out of a mortgage. Okay, well, leave the mortgage on there, but go home this afternoon and add it up. Just, just add up the total number of debt payments you're making a month. That's the raise that you could get if you were out of it. Like if all that was paid off, just think of how much more money you would have to save whether you're saving for college or saving for retirement or saving for some big purchase you want to make, saving for the big, nice new car you want to buy. Imagine how much more you would have to do that with if you didn't have all these debt payments on there. Or imagine how much more you could give, like how much more you could, you could shift towards charity or to helping people out if, if you didn't have all these debt payments. Or how much more you could spend and not feel guilty about it because you're spending money you have, not money you're borrowing. Like so many times, we, you know, when you spend money you have, you feel a lot less guilty about it because you're not making this big payment to MasterCard or Visa or Discover. You're spending what you have. And like, just imagine how freeing that would be if you had no debt whatsoever, how freeing that would be. And you kind of see why, you know, they do the Dave Ramsey screams, you know, the debt-free screams and all that. Like, you get it. Like, you understand why, because it would be so freeing to have that. And as, as I read through these statistics, here's, here's the way I kind of broke them down. The first thing I was doing as I was reading through them, I thought, wow. And these were just two of the charts. I, there were so many more stats to give you, but I know some of you don't like these nerd moments when you get into all these stats. So, so many more. And as I read through them, I thought, wow, we got a debt problem. In America, we've got a we've got a debt problem, and it's like, yeah, but that's not really the the root of it. You got to dig a little bit deeper. It's not a debt problem. We got a a spending problem in America. Like we're spending more than we make. We're spending more than we can afford. We're over leveraged, you know, because we're we're so we got a spending problem in America. And then I was like, yeah, but that you got to dig just a little bit deeper than that. It's not really a spending problem. We got a a greed problem in America. And I know it hurts to, to say that. Um, I mean, I wouldn't be much of a preacher if I didn't say things every now and then it hurt a little bit. But, I mean, it's really, if you think of it, the root cause of it, the root is, is often greed. Not always. I know we can sometimes get into situations with our health care or other things that, you know, we assume debt that we just, we weren't planning on. We weren't planning on having that diagnosis and having to pay that big bill and that kind of stuff. But a lot of times, especially those top two, that credit card and auto loan up there, a lot of times it's debt that we choose, and it's debt not because of spending, but we just wanted something that we couldn't afford. We wanted something that we couldn't have. We, that's greed is what it, I mean, that's really what we're talking about. And I don't want to like offend you by saying well, everybody here is greedy or all Americans are greedy because when we hear the word greed, we think of it as this very evil, sinister thing. Uh, and it's not good. I'm not saying it's good. But when we hear greed, that, that's the picture we've got, if you guys remember that movie. It's on Netflix right now. If, if you want to watch a movie on greed, it's very dark. Uh, there Will Be Blood, Daniel Plainview. Uh, he won an uh, Academy Award for that. He, he, he is so driven by greed. It ruins every relationship he has. I mean, it's just, it's the saddest movie ever. Uh, it, it ruins every relationship he has. The preacher in the movie is so driven by greed, it ruins every relationship he has. Or we think of this one, if you want to go even further back, then there will be blood. Gordon Gecko in Wall Street. And there's this famous clip where he actually says, greed is good. You know, and that's the, Amer like, that's what we think of when we think of greed. We think of greed as like Wall Street banker type stuff. Like, I, as long as there's somebody more greedy than me, then I'm not greedy. You know, as long as there's somebody with a worse problem, then I, I don't have a problem. But, 
greed looks a whole lot like the people we look at in the mirror. It's normal. I mean, it's, it's not sinister and evil in the sense that, like, I mean, it's just, it's normal. And every single one of us are susceptible to it. So there's nobody here that say, well, I, I'll, ne- I'll never struggle with that. I'll never struggle with greed. Greed, selfishness, pride, every single one of us will struggle with that. That's just, it's, it's part of our fleshly nature. We're all going to struggle with that. And that's one of the reasons, I think, that the Bible talks so much about greed, selfishness, and pride. So let's look at one of them. Luke chapter 12 is a story that Jesus gives, and it's not the story I thought I would go to. I'm going to preach a message on debt, and I ended up doing the, the parable of the bigger barns. But it, so it's because it's not a story about debt, but it is a story about greed. Take a look. So here, verse 13, it says, Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, and this is, they, they said this to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And in this day and time, siblings didn't receive an equal portion of an inheritance. Like the oldest sibling would receive a double portion of the inheritance, which I still think is biblical. Um, my parents are here. I just want to just make sure they understand that this is a biblical principle because I'm the oldest. Um, but no, they didn't receive an equal portion. And so this younger brother was saying, hey, I want my cut. You know, tell my brother to divide this inheritance. And there was supposed to be some sharing that took place in that culture. But, you know, I tell my brother to divide the inheritance. And Jesus said, man, who appointed me to be a judge or an arbiter between you? And then he said, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Now that statement, look at that, that statement right there, that teaching of Jesus. It's one of the few times that he tells you the point of the parable before he tells the parable. Most of the time he lets you interpret the story on your own. But in this case, Jesus says, here's the point. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. In other words, all of us are susceptible to this. All of us can, can succumb to greed. So be on your guard against it. For life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. I was thinking, you know, like, man, if we could, like, make some little stickers or something like that, and we could have people tape tape it on the back of their credit card, like right there by the three-digit number that you got to give to approve the purchase. Although, then I thought it's not going to work because most of us got that number memorized because we got it saved in our Google Pay, and we just hit that three-digit number, and it goes through. So, but, I mean, that, that right there, life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. There is more to life than simply what we own or what we consume. Then he tells this story. He says, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. And he thought to himself, well, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. This seems like a very prudent course of action. This is like what we would encourage people to do. You know, if you can't store it all in this barn, then build your bigger barn. But God said to him, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you, and then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. And it's the selfishness of this guy that is at kind of the root of the story. You know, that's what, you know, this is how it will be for whoever stores up things for themselves, and you've prepared all these things for yourselves, but you're not rich towards God. He has the wrong attitude about money and the wrong priorities and you say well this what does this story have to do with debt well how do we get into debt we want bigger barns and we want better barns and we want more barns and we can't afford those bigger barns and we can't afford those better barns and those more barns so we 
borrow that. And I mean, the money's cheap, so we borrow it so we can afford the bigger barns and the better barns and the better cars and the better houses and all those kinds of things. And what Jesus is warning against is the fleeting nature of those things. See, because we get to start to thinking like, I deserve this. We get in our minds like, you know, well, I, you know I, I mean, my neighbor's got this. If they can do it, I mean, I know I'm making as good as them and they're getting to do it. And why don't I have it? My friends are doing it, so why don't I have it? My parents, my parents have it. Why don't I have it? You know, forgetting sometimes it took our parents 25, 30 years to build up the wealth where they could do that kind of stuff. But we're like, I want to drive what my parents drive right out of college. And I want to live in the same house that I lived in when I was a kid. You know, that, like, we, I deserve it. There's this attitude of entitlement that we have when it comes to, to money. Like, I, I'm 46 years old. I deserve to, you know, drive X. Or I, I deserve to live in, in X. I deserve this. And besides, you only live once, right? No. You don't, no, you live twice. You've, you've read the Bible, right? This is not the only life. Like there's a life after this life continues. There's another life, and that's what the parable of the rich young ruler, rich young ruler, that's another one. That's what the parable of the bigger barns is about. Like you're going to live twice. So what's it going to be? You're storing up all this storage for yourself on earth. What's it going to be like in heaven if you haven't been rich toward God? So where do you want your treasure to be? Do you want it to be on earth, or do you want it to be in heaven? You're going to spend a whole lot more time in the second life than you do the first. So, so where do you want your priorities to be? And that's what Paul talks about in 1 Timothy. Look, this is, this is, he says pretty much the same thing as Jesus, almost like he was a disciple of Jesus. So uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6, Paul says, Godliness with contentment is great gain. So Paul gives a, a positive side to what Je Jesus is talking about, watch out for all types of greed. And Paul says the way you combat greed is with contentment. Because contentment's the opposite of greed. If you want to combat the greed that's kind of rising up, then learn to be content. And he says, godliness with contentment, great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. And I don't, I don't think he was thinking about credit cards when he wrote verse 9. I don't think he was thinking about payday lenders or title loan businesses when he wrote verse 9. But boy, it sounds like them, doesn't it? I mean, he talks about like we, we fall into a temptation and a trap and we make some foolish decisions that plunge us into ruin and destruction. I mean, a lot, many of us have been there where we've made, a, we've made a purchase, a decision that seemed wise at the time, but man, when, it, when the bill starts, man, it was no interest for 24 months, I mean, come on, that's a great deal. But then when the interest came due, it was an introductory APR of 1.9%. I mean, this is great. But then you missed that one payment, and it jumped up to 30-something percent. I mean, it, you, you realize that in the state of Tennessee, payday lenders are allowed to charge 459% interest. That's the effective APR. Now, it comes across as 15% interest, but it's due in two weeks. Do the math. When you put the fees and the interest in there, it's 459% interest. I mean, it's a, it, that, that'll lead to ruin pretty quick when you're paying that kind of interest, right? Because you just keep paying payments, and you never affect the principal. You just keep paying on the interest. And so, so Paul says, the, the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. And some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. And what I hear Paul saying here is like the eternal nature of money. He gets into this kind of this contentment mindset of you didn't bring anything into the world with you and you're not going to take anything out of this world with you so learn to be content with what you have 
And what does that look like? I don't know. It's different for everybody. Because you have different incomes, you have different levels of wealth. It's different for everybody on the contentment piece. So, like, what, what does the contentment look like? But it's just, what what's saying is, like, this is the way to combat debt, to me. If you're getting, if debt's getting out of control, we have to learn how to have contentment. And that means I won't buy stuff that I can't afford. And that's really, really hard to do, right? I mean, that's, that's easily said. I was like, hey, the way you get out of debt, stop buying stuff you can't afford. That's how you get out of debt. Just stop buying stuff you can't afford. You know, that. Right? I mean, it's, it is, that's, it's that simple. Whew, but it's not that simple. Because contentment is very, very difficult for us. And that's why Paul gave us the secret of contentment in Philippians. You remember the secret of contentment? Paul said the secret of contentment was, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. In other words, this is very difficult to have an attitude of contentment. To be, to be content with what you have is not easy. It is a spiritual battle. But I can do all things through Christ who, who gives me strength. And so he gives you not only the, the, tells you what to do, but the means to do it, which is through Christ. And um, I, was, I was looking for a story to, to tell this, because I wanted, personal stories often tell this better than just preaching through a text sometimes. Uh, and so I got, to, I got online and looking at just testimonies of people who had gotten out of debt. And a couple of things hit me. One, none of them look like Daniel Plainview or, or Gordon Gecko or Scrooge McDuck or any of those folks. You know, like none of them look like that. They were just normal, everyday people. And um, their income levels were all different. Like there, there were video, there were testimonies of people who made, you know, 25, 30,000 a year and uh, they, were, they were struggling with debt. And there were stories of folks that made 100,000 a year struggling with debt. Stories of people that made a quarter of a million a year and they're up. Up, up their eyeballs in debt and just can't make day to day can't make it and and it's not really a an income thing it, it's just a it's a contentment thing and it's a it's a spending thing and it's a it's a greed thing like to, so to get out of it yeah you need a plan and yeah you probably need an advisor or mentor or somebody that's gonna hold you accountable for it and all those kinds of things yes you need all of that but you really got to address the spiritual aspect of it before you can even address the practical because the practical the example i gave in the first was like if you're if your wheels are out of alignment and you're driving down the road and they're pulling to the right the way you stay out of the ditch is you just hold it to the left some of you've done this and you drive your cars for months just holding it to the left because you're keeping it out of the out of the ditch right but the alignment's not fixed so as soon as you take your hands off the steering wheel you're going to end up in the ditch well that's the way that you like you can we can work a debt plan like oh, i'm gonna get out of debt and we can work it for months we might even can work it for years, but if you hadn't fixed the alignment problem, as soon as you take your hands off the, off the plan, you're going to end up in the ditch. So the alignment problem is the contentment, fixing the contentment in our heart, asking God to help us to be content. And that's what this next story is about. I want you to notice the language that she uses about how she chose to delay what she wanted, what she deserved. She chose to delay it and pursue the path of contentment, and that's what helped her get out of debt. So watch, watch this story right here. My name is Cynthia Stevens. I was born and raised here in St. Petersburg, Florida. I'm one of nine children. I'm the baby of nine. And um, my parents had me when I, they were in their 40s. I got an allowance and I always had a job, but they didn't teach me like the mechanics, maintaining good credit. That's what I was taught. 
right after graduation, like at graduation, um, I went into the Navy. While I was in the service, I really was not making any money. You know, the salary was very low. Trying to raise two kids off of that salary was very difficult. When I got out of the service, my sister was like, you should go into nursing, Cynthia. So I started taking, I had to start from the bottom. So I just kind of worked every weekend and on, you know, just kind of worked my schedule around school, but I still had to pick up days. I had the support of my parents, so they really helped me out a lot, and I knew the ends would justify the means. I graduate from the anesthesia program, start working, and I'm thinking, ooh, I'm making a big buck so I can do it. But I was talking to Dr. Eden, and I was like, oh, what area do you like? What, you know, tell me what area, what kind of car do you have, or whatever, trying to figure out what kind of car I want. So Dr. Eden gave me the total money makeover book for Christmas as a Christmas gift. I could not put it down. I stayed up reading it, and it just like a light bulb just immediately came on. So I'm like, I don't have it together. <laughs> I, this is a mess. The hardest thing for me during this debt journey not being able to live the lifestyle that I felt at the time I deserved. That first year was the hardest for me. Once I got into a routine and a role, it became easy and you learn to, you learn better habits. It just takes time. You just have to go through the process. You're trying to impress people that you don't even know and that's not you. My hair, those clothes, it's not me. That's not who I am. You just have to live within your means. And you have to take responsibility for yourself and for your actions. If you have a debt, you pay the debt. At the time, we could um, sell back our vacation if we didn't use it. We got a Christmas bonus. Any extra money I could get, I would use it. And using cash and figuring out, OK, once it's gone, it's gone. So I really need to watch it and be mindful of it. Your boundaries are only the boundaries that you set for yourself. I'm not afraid anymore, and I look forward to the future. Like you heard so many little, just in that three-minute video, you heard so many little hints of contentment in there. She talked about, like, I had to, had to learn how to live not what I thought I deserved, not, not but what I, how I could afford to live, or had to stop worrying about what other people thought about, I can't believe she's driving that kind of car, that kind of stuff. So I, there was so many messages of contentment, but the last one was, I'm not afraid anymore. I'm not afraid of the future. When, you, when you're so overwhelmed with debt, the future's scary because you don't know how you're going to make the next month payment. You don't know how you're going to make that, that next obligation that's out there. I mean, it's a scary thing. But when you can get it down, when you can get out of it, the future's not scary anymore. You don't, don't have to be afraid anymore. So... I'm going to say a word of prayer for us, and uh, then I'm going to tell you about one opportunity we have for you to get some practical help. I, I do want to say this. <clears throat> I know, and I want to apologize, uh, I know I, I've just created some arguments for the car ride home. 
So uh, I know like when we get when we get you get in the car or you go to lunch, there's going to be some arguments because there's always like one side is like, we got to get this fixed. We got to get out of debt. We got to do that. And, and the other side is like, oh, it's fine. It's no big deal. Don't worry about it. And we're making fine, you know. So I know that's coming. And I, I'm apologizing on the front end for the argument that you're going to have on the way home about this. But um, I'm going to pray about that, actually. And then we're going to pray about what we've talked about. And then I'll tell you what's coming next. Let's pray. Father, in all seriousness, I do pray for the conversations that will take place uh, in, in homes or restaurants or uh, as, they, as people leave here uh, because they are important conversations. And um, I pray that we, we're able to listen and as we work through these things together that people are able to listen to one another. And most importantly, God, I just pray you help us to pursue contentment. It's so countercultural. And we, I mean, we just live in a nation of a tremendous wealth. And, uh, and we have tremendous resources available to us. And so for contentment is something that we're not encouraged to pursue. All the messages around us are encouraging us to just go ahead and get what we want because the money's cheap. So um, I pray you help us to pursue that contentment, learn what that looks like, to, to heed the words of your, your son Jesus as he taught these things about, about money and finances and um, and Father, I pray for those that are really feel literally like they're drowning in debt. And I know some of it's our fault, and some of it's not. I, I really pray for, for folks that maybe have been through a medical crisis or some type of trauma or event, and, and just, man, the, the debt just got out of hand. And uh, I pray you give them the perseverance to keep, keep plugging away at it, to keep fighting, and, and keep doing what they have to do uh, in order to get out of that situation, that it is a temporary thing, that it is a season they're going through right now, and that there's so many stories of hope and encouragement of people who have been able to, to do that and to come out the other side. Uh, Father, just be with us as we go through this series together and we talk about these important things. And it's the name of your son, Jesus, I pray. Amen. Last thing I'll mention, you know, I said this was a spiritual series, you know, and it's not practical. Uh, we do want to offer some practical help. And so, Keith and Lori Waltermeyer, members of this church, and they agreed to do another financial peace class here. We had one going right when the pandemic hit. So some of you were probably four or five, month, or four or five weeks into the class. And uh, the Waltermeyer said, hey, we'll launch another one. Oh, February 7th. There we go. I didn't have the date last service, so they put me a graphic up there. February 7th is when it starts. It's going to be Tuesday nights at 6.30 p.m. And you can register for it now. You can do it in person or you can do it online. Both options are available, and uh, you can register through the Church Center app. If you go to Church Center and find Financial Peace University and click that, that will take you to the link. It's about 100 bucks or something like that. Uh, it's worth the money. The principles are rock solid. Um, it's, it's, so check that out and uh, register, and we'll put some information out on our social media links as well. That way you can register there if you don't have Church Center app downloaded. All right, so that starts in just a few weeks if you're interested in participating in that class. And it goes nine weeks, so it'll go February 7th until about Easter is when that class will go. So next week, we'll pick up where we left off. I don't know what my text is right now. I'll, I'll know tomorrow. Uh, but we'll pick right up here and look at some other teachings from Jesus or Paul uh, on how we handle our money. So hope you have a great rest of the day, and don't argue too much on the way home.
If you are encouraged by today's talk, feel free to share it with your friends. Please also consider rating and subscribing on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. To learn more, please visit us online at murrayhills.com.